Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. I'm Dwayne Wyndham, your lay leader for today. We are a special community, a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning. We welcome persons of all religions, ethnic and racial origins, sexual orientations, abilities, and other circumstances. In a couple of weeks, I'll be heading to Washington, D.C. in Reason Rally. And when people ask me about my home and my home church, and why do you go, I'll be answering them with our mission statement, printed in your order of service and on the walls here. Because we gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Today is the beginning of our spring theme of enoughness. And for our reading today, Wendy Erisman will be providing. The Gallup organization, famous for the Gallup poll, regularly tracks the amount that Americans spend on a daily basis and reports that amount on their website uh, as an average. And over the last several weeks, that average, the average amount per person per day spent in the United States has been in the $60 to $70 range. Now, this is just the amount that's spent directly those days, so it doesn't include things like mortgages and rent, utilities, and also payment on uh, debt, like student loan, car loan, credit card debt. It's really the amount that people pulled out their wallets and spent on those given days, $60 to $70. This says something about our society and about the extent to which buying things is a part of our lives. So one way to become more aware of how much we spend and how much we buy is to have a buy-nothing day, a day where we commit to really trying to not spend any money. And in fact, there is a national buy-nothing day. It's the day after Thanksgiving, which, of course, is not a day normally associated with buying nothing, but rather with lining up really early in the morning to get the latest and greatest gadgets. So obviously, it's not Thanksgiving right now. It's March. But... In the spirit of our theme of enoughness, we are hoping to have a Buy Nothing Day next Sunday, March 18th, and asking people to participate in not spending any money that day. I know for me that could be a little bit of a challenge. It's pretty easy to stop at Starbucks on the way to church and have that latte. But I'm going to try to, before I pull out my credit card or my my, uh, cash, think about, is this something I really need or really just something that I want? And perhaps think about that bigger question of, do I already have enough? So in the vein of Buy Nothing Day and of this theme of enoughness, the reading today is from William Henry Channing, a 19th century Unitarian minister and transcendentalist. And he said, To live content with small means, to seek elegance rather than luxury, and refinement rather than fashion, to be worthy, not respectable, and wealthy, not rich. To listen to stars and birds, babes and sages, with open heart. To study hard, to think quietly, act frankly, talk gently, await occasions, hurry never. In a word, to let the spiritual, unbidden and unconscious, grow up through the common. This is my symphony. Good morning, everyone. My name is, is Dick Pierce, and I want to thank you for coming out on this was a rainy day, uh, the day of, uh, after a big day of uh, daylight savings starting and South by Southwest. Uh, and uh, we are going to talk about gardens this morning. It's so nice to see the rain come. 
and the sun work its way out. So I, I hope you uh, have a hint or two for the afternoon, uh, and it'll be a, a beautiful day. Uh, I'm a 15-year resident in Austin, and I'm here to talk, kick off your series on enoughness. 15 years in Austin, I think um, that is um, not a long time for some, not enough, uh, but long enough for often for some new newcomers. So I like to think about, uh, have I been in Austin long enough? Just about right. Just enough. Right? So uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm a, uh, <clears throat> uh, I have uh, two grown children and four grandchildren. And um, the uh, talks I give these days, and this one in particular, uh, a big part of my motivation is the grandchildren. Uh, I'm passionate about uh, food gardening, about growing local food, about helping nature heal our environment, and recreating local, like local businesses, local, uh, <coughs> uh, producing local goods and foods from local sources, and having that created by local people. Before we get too far, I'd like to know how many of you are gardeners. That's a good number. Keep them up. And those of you who are not gardeners, would you notice who put your hands up? And uh, take a look. And how many of those, uh, how many do uh, composting? Uh, that's actually more than the gardeners. So <laughs> you gardeners can figure out where you can get some compost here if you saw those hands, which is because uh, we're going to talk about community uh, as, as well. Right? Uh, the, uh, I'm delighted to be here to kick off the first of the five Sundays on enoughness. Right? Uh, but today, uh, one of the things I do not want to talk about is what we hear all the time, that we humans, especially those from developed countries, and especially us Americans, consume much too much. That's not the topic of today. I'd like to talk to you, I'd like to talk in two major ways. Uh, the first one is to uh, just go over kind of a concrete, uh, simple, straightforward local checklist of what you might do uh, in thinking about the things, some things that do you have enough, do you do enough, do you have or do too little, or do you have or do way too much? Um, because I think the intent of these five sessions is to have you think, ponder, consider, what's the balance for you? There's a sermon coming up on balance. What's the balance so things are just enough? Right? And just enough for yourselves, for other human beings, uh, so that everybody, we're working towards everybody having enough. And the rights to food and security, protection and housing, uh, or a place to live, and some satisfaction from living, right? some basic satisfactions. Right? That's the topic of the session, which is uh, first. first right? uh, when I was a young person, I uh, was often anxious to get seconds at the Sunday dinner table, and my father gently reminded me, non-verbally, with a kick, that um, we waited until everybody had first before we had seconds. I think that's a good thing to have rattling around in our minds uh, during this time of, of thinking about enoughness, because I think um, it's important that everything have enough and that everything have first, and that includes both all other human beings and it includes non-human beings. It includes non-humans and, uh, and spiritual beings. So I want to explore some concrete things, and I started on this to get a, see what I was going to talk about, and my list got to 12. And uh, this is not going to happen today. You can, everybody, everybody sigh. 
Okay, but you will get one of these as a handout. And, and several in the first service said they had all but one of these done, which I think is terrific. Right? So what this is meant to be is an affirmation for you. But if you've got one, two, three, or four of these done, pat yourself on the back and tell somebody about it or help somebody else do it. Um, if you've got a few that you'd like to go, maybe there's a few here you'd like to get into a little bit further, right? But the whole subject here is what we have enough of, what we don't have enough of. And I'm just going to take a couple, so you'll get one of those on the way out. And uh, I'm just going to take a, a couple, but I also, as a second part of this, uh, hope to keep the time, time and God willing here, to talk about the spiritual side of this, the spiritual side of giving, the spiritual side of gardening, and the spiritual side of uh, making this environment right, uh, making this world a better place for all, all beings and all spirits. So I want to get to the spiritual part. <clears throat> um, the other thing I want to thank everybody for the uh, uh, the lovely opening hymn. If you um, if I catch you me- meandering and looking at a hymn and reading that hymn over again, that uh, contains my message uh, about all creatures and all critters and having a garden. My favorite song is uh, "All God's Creatures Got a Place in the Choir." We'll kind of end on that, and uh, I want to thank you for the cover piece on your brochure which is, uh, this is clearly a hand and a paw. Okay? Uh, one of the things I'd like to have you do in your mind as a result of this presentation is have this magically go from two hands that are like this to two hands that are like this. And that one of those hands is a paw. Or one of those hands is not, it's not, it's not a hand. Okay? So off we go. Okay? Um, the first thing on the list is... Um, uh, easy for me. Uh, you haven't got the list yet, so it's not easy for you. But how, how many of you have a lawn? Now, I think I saw more hands for gardens. I think that's in compost piles. And I just wanted just to measure that, uh, okay, you're all in the choir, and I suspect out here we may have some, some preachers as well. Um, so uh, what I want to do, the first one on the list is, is, have, is have, we have enough lawn. We could use less lawn. Um, the, uh, so it's easy because I don't have a lawn. And, I've, and, and I'm delighted. It's the second time in my moving around life that I don't have a lawn, and it just saves me a whole load of time. Um, so for me, having no lawn is not controversial. Some of you that have lawns uh, work at them hard and are proud of them, uh, live in a neighborhood that requires you to have one. Perhaps that might be a bit more controversial. I want to cover the point here that I may cover some things in here today that are right on and you really want to go out and implement them and you re-resonate on them. There may be a couple things that you don't agree with quite so strongly and maybe you disagree with or consider them controversial, so don't take those. Uh, just take it up to the point where you agreed and then uh, and, and we can talk about the rest later. So lawns. Um, I've heard from several sources that where lawns came from. Lawns came, supposedly, from a newly wealthy Frenchman who wanted to show off his wealth. And the field that was in front of his house, near the village, decided that he would put something, plant something in that field that was absolutely of no use. And then show his very large staff, all well liveried, uh, clothed, out there, a large amount of staff out there uh, uh, maintaining it. And so it was uh, to show off, the st- I've got staff, to show off I've got money, and I don't need to put this land in crops, and to do something absolutely useless. Okay. 
So um, if true to that story, the modern lawn produces very little, provides no habitat except unless you accept moles and chinch bugs and, and soldier beetles or whatever it is. Uh, it holds very little water and it consumes a great deal of time, energy, fuel, uses a bunch of machinery and chemicals, makes noises and smells. Right? Um, now, that said, a little lawn or some lawn uh, is perfectly okay, in my opinion, and probably in yours if you have one. Um, but the, because uh, we, we need lawn. Uh, we need grass. Uh, it's part of God's creation. Uh, but a, a nice piece of, perhaps a, enough uh, lawn would be enough for a, a child to play. Enough for a, a pet to run around and do business. A, uh, or enough for a dad or mom to take a golf swing or two before you go to the, to the golf course, right? But uh, <clears throat> uh, it's interesting that Austin Green Builder Program rates new houses on a point system. And they give you points if you have less than 50% of the area available for lawn planted in lawn. Right? They give you more points if you have zero lawn. And they give you still more points if you have no lawn that's irrigated with any city water. Just to get the idea that, that they're pretty serious about asking you to cut down on, cut down on lawn. Uh, that's in their rating system. Okay? One of the things you'll find is that if you look at your water bill and you have irrigation, water, uh, lawn irrigation, your bill just doubles. On the average, it's absolutely 50% uh, of a bill of a house that waters outside is, is, is for irrigation. Where I lived in Denver, it was about 60 or 70%. And about 70% of that water immediately evaporated into the air. That's a terrible use of resources pumped into your place. So um, the question I have is, is for you to ponder, right? not to answer, and it's your question, and it's your pondering, not mine. I just want to ask the question and tuck it in there, is would half a lawn be enough? Or just right? Uh, and that's your call. And then, so now you've got some half a lawn to replace. What are you going to do? Uh, the second thing on the list would be to create a, mulch, create a mulch garden or a mulch bed. And what I would do is take those places around your big trees with a lovely curvy shape and make a mulch garden or a mulch bed right, and put three to five inches of wood, good wood mulch in there. Uh, and uh, what you're going to do is the trees are going to like it because basically they say, hey, the forest floor came back. And the uh, grass is going to say, that's okay. We didn't like that shade anyway. It was very hard to keep, it, to keep ourselves growing in there. Right? So mulch around a few big trees. Uh, that, that mulch bed, uh, uh, which looks very pretty, uh, it looks very natural, will hold more water. Uh, it'll keep the ground cool in this hot day and keep it a little bit warm at night. It will slow evaporation and it'll be habitat for many little micro, micro critters and they'll make soil and compost for you. You can take the leaves that you normally rake and put in bags at the curb or put in a pile somewhere you can just simply break them onto the mulch island, and you're done. So it's, uh, it, 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 it works very, very nicely. It has many, many uses. Right? Uh, <clears throat> so uh, mulch bed uh, is one or, two, one or two of them is a great trade-off for lawn and has a lot more beneficial uses and takes you a lot less time, and I can't imagine it costing any money um, or causing any pollution, which lawns can easily do. Right? Another thing you could do with that lawn that you just saved, right, if you find an eight-hour, a spot that has eight hours or more of sunshine, and that's really required, is put in a garden. The, uh, so you can put in a garden on the lawn instead of lawn and start growing some of your own food. And one of the challenges for us with enoughness 
is one of the things that we do not do enough of. And in our foreseeable future, we can't do enough of and we need it, is grow some of our own food. That is part of producing some of our own goods. If we think about who we are and where we are in our society, we're consumers. How many in this room would consider themselves, if you're gardeners, keep your hands down, but that how many are produce something? 50 and 100 years ago, if we sat in this room right, and we asked, do anybody in this room produce anything? Right? Most people produced all their food, all their clothes, maybe uh, built some of their transportation, uh, built their own houses. Right? We, I believe one of the things we need to do to stop or at least respect the people that produce our goods right, is produce some of ourselves. Right? Then we might have the respect to, to reduce uh, some, of our, some of our consumption. <clears throat> so, have a garden. Uh, become a local producer. Uh, in addition to being a buyer or a consumer. If you can, how many of your houses face south? Just a few. The good houses in Austin face south because then you can pick the breeze, the southerly breeze up to cool your house without the air conditioner on. Uh, so, uh, those of you who face south, you may need to put the garden on the front lawn to get eight hours of sunshine. Uh, I think the garden on a front lawn is a great thing because not only will you get to do the garden, but you can talk to passers-by about that garden, share information, and then share the harvest. Right? Some of those people uh, will be so excited they'll want to do their own garden, and you can go help them do that. Uh, and pretty before long, you'll be doing a thing called building community, and you'll be out doing projects like planting trees and building more gardens, uh, and those be, should be fruit trees so everybody can eat, and you'll be rekindling community. Right? Uh, and we never are going to have enough community. Particularly, in my opinion, to what we've done to community over the last 50 years. Right? We always need to seek those opportunities. Right? <clears throat> I'm also asking you to join and support a very important uh, movement in Austin, and that's the local food group. Local food movement. Um, it's, it's exciting. Uh, there are now 120 school, over 120 school gardens in Austin. It's up from almost nothing five, six years ago. The, uh, there are 30 community gardens. One of the oldest and the best in the country is just over the fence at Sunshine Garden. A wonderful thing to do if the sun comes out to wander around on a Sunday after service or before uh, or between services uh, just to see how those 100 gardeners are gardening. The, uh, uh, so the 15 of those 30 community gardens are on church land, which is a thing to think about here. Does the UU Church have enough vegetable gardens? The, uh, and enough vegetable gardeners to keep the vegetable garden going, which is very important. Sometimes a few enthusiastic vegetable gardeners get it going, and they go off to other things, and then there's not enough gardeners. Uh, so that you have to make sure you, uh, you, you put that in your equation. Right? But um, back to Farmer's Market, Edible Austin, which I hope you all know of and hope we get and devour every time it comes out. It's a food magazine for Austin. It's free. Uh, they say that in their list there's 48 Farmer's Markets. I can remember not very years ago, there's one. And it was uh, at Westlake High School and it wasn't doing very well. Now there's 48 in the area. And so uh, how many of you go to farmer's markets? It's almost every hand and, uh, uh, and please uh, make it every hand and go. One of the things, I think this church is divinely located because you have Sunshine Gardens a stone's throw across the fence and then two or three hundred yards away on Wednesdays you have the Triangle Farmer's Market uh, which is so as you have your activities in and out of the UU church during the week, you can go to Sunshine Gardens and you can go, on Wednesdays you can go to a lovely 
uh, uh, farmer's market at the Triangle, which is a, and watch children having just the greatest time in the fountain and have dinner before you come over to something here. Right? So um, the, uh, the great thing about farmer's markets is they're a local business. When you buy something from a local farmer, that money stays in the local economy. That farmer spends it here. Probably all of it. There's probably not many farmers that have big savings accounts or 401ks. Uh, they spend it, which keeps the money in our local economy. That's a big cry from, uh, from a lot of other retailers, big box places where your money instantly winds up in Chicago or in uh, Arkansas. So uh, it keeps the money here. It, and it's, small, it's investing in small business. It's uh, not just a nice thing. I think it's going to become a necessary thing. Anybody notice that the cost of food at the market's gone up? What you really notice, if you haven't been to a farmer's market lately, it seems like the price of food at the farmer's market's come down. But that's really the other price going up. Why is it going up? Transportation is really, in oil, and peak oil, and scarce oil is really having its effect, right? So this may not just be a nice thing to do. It may not be a nutritious thing to do, and a safe thing to do, and, and good exercise, right? Uh, gardening, it may become necessary. Uh, because the uh, big factory food system is going to have trouble delivering your food. It already doesn't deliver you any nutrition. It already has things that were picked weeks ago. Uh, this loses nutrition on the truck. It already has pays the farmer almost nothing, does a lot of processing, and takes a lot of, takes a lot of petrochemicals. Right? So I'd like to have you all become gardeners, and I'd like to have you all certainly buy local food at farmer's markets. The reason I ask you that is that the statistic is that today 85% of your food is imported. I think the island of Nassau imports less food um, than we do, the island of Austin. I, I think that is, that is not enough local food. That is way too much industrial factory uh, dripping with petroleum and pesticides food that's brought in here. I think we can, and we can all change it. First, just go to a farmer's market. Secondly, go to a citizen gardener class. On your handout, there'll be a website for that. Somebody already checked it. Our last class for the year, the season, is full, but we'll start up again in late August, early September. So if you haven't done it, have done it and tried, we can make you, make, we can make you a gardener. Right? So uh, that's cut your lawn in half and, uh, and, and start a garden and support the food movement. Um, one of the things that I, when I talk to a lot of people that garden and farm, and everybody I talk to that farms or gardens or works with animals has one of the same things to say, is that we're in their garden, they're in their field, or they're with their animals, there's something special. Any gardeners feel that way? There's something there, there's some connection, there's some spiritual thing, right? And you call it a spiritual thing because you can't define it. You can't put your finger on it, you can't put your eyes on it, you can't put your ears on it. But there is a connection and there is a communication. I call that spirit. I call that world that you're experiencing a spirit world. And I think we need to, as a culture, uh, put a high priority on exploring that spirit world. Because for most of history, most of time, and still most of the world, nature and man, or human beings, are intimately connected. It's, they're all related. It's a web. Right? Our science, our culture, to some extent our religions, right, have taken away a bit of that spirituality from us that I think we need to replace. And I really think that in that may be the solution to our environmental problems. Right? And what reason I want to make 
this into a hand clasp, right? Is I think we really need to think about those other beings, think about those other spirits, and work with them to make this world better. And we need to do that by having all those other beings be healthy, happy, procreating, and have a satisfactory life. Then we'll have one. And I'm talking all the way down to the bacteria that start the composting process, up through the earthworms, through the deer and the, all the animals, all the animals you saw and didn't see uh, when you sang the song. I'd just like to read you a, just from a quick, from a, this is from a Luther Standing Bear, the land of Spotted Eagle, about one other culture, what they thought. The Lakota loved the earth and all things of the earth. The soil was soothing, strengthening, cleansing, and healing. It was almost as if man were still part of the earth, and he was the beginning. And the, the love they bore for each other, for the earth and all things of the earth. From Wankantanka, that's the great mystery, became the unifying life force that flowed through all things. Thus all things were kindred, brought together by the same great mystery. Kinship with all creatures of the earth, sky, and water was a real and active principle. Animals had rights. The right of man's protection, the right to live, to multiply, the right to freedom, and the right to man's indebtedness and in their recognition. Uh, for we were all of one blood, filled with one essence, the great, the great unity. This is what Luther Standing Bear says, I have come to know that white man does not feel toward nature as does the Indian mind. And it is because, I believe, of the difference in childhood instruction. Um, and that's where I come back to grandpa grandparents and grandchildren. It's, uh, I think this is instructing. Indian boys are alert to their surroundings. They do a lot of observation, which gives them interest, wonder, and admiration, and appreciation for, for life that was more than human manifestation, expressed in a multitude of forms, and enriched the Lakota existence. I think that's just a, a great way to, uh, to, to put it. So uh, a lot of different cultures and different times uh, the, uh, uh, involved the spiritual. Uh, and I would ask that in our current work culture, we, need, we don't have enough of that. I think we need to work on having more of that. And it's a long ways for me, personally, before I get enough. I'm anxious for that journey. Uh, the, uh, so, the, so I believe that all God's creations and all God's creatures, like the song says, have a place in this world, an important and a rightful place. And they, they benefit us. All also deserve a place at God's table. All need to be involved or considered in plans and decisions, and all are entitled to a good life of food, shelter, comfort, and continuation. So I hope it may start with you or me, with local food and in your own garden, uh, developing a connection with and a compassion for those other beings and spirits that we depend on so totally, so equally, and so humbly. Uh, thank you. Go in peace. Live simply, gently, at home in yourselves. Act justly. Speak justly. Remember the depth of your own compassion. Forget not your power in the days of your powerlessness. Do not desire to be wealthier than your peers. And stint not your hand of charity. Practice forbearance. Speak the truth. Or speak not. Take care of yourselves as bodies, for you are a good gift.
Crave peace for all people in the world, beginning with yourselves. And go as you go with the dream of that peace alive in your heart. Blessed be. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.